You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine at University of Illinois Chicago, Dr. Jay Goldstein. Probiotics are ubiquitous in grocery store aisles, and they're found everywhere from cheese to cereals to other products. But are they really beneficial as many claim they are? Joining us to discuss what GIs need to know about probiotics is Dr. Richard Fedorak, Professor of Medicine in the Division of Gastroenterology and Chair of the Center of Excellence for Gastrointestinal Inflammation and Immunity Research at the University of Alberta in Canada. Welcome, Dr. Fedorak. Thank you, Jay. Glad to have you here. I really want to know, what are probiotics and how do they differ? It takes me back to my days in medical school when we had to learn microbiology. Good question, Jay. So probiotics are really those living organisms that scientific research has demonstrated are a benefit to our health. For the most part, one can think of good bacteria and bad bacteria. These are the good bacteria that deliver some benefit to the human that takes them. So they're, by definition, they're good bacteria. Correct. And we only know that they're probiotics after they've been studied. Well, yes. The common probiotics are lactobacillus bifidobacteria, and they're falling into two categories. Those probiotics that we use in food all the time, such as when you're making yogurt and fermented milks. And more recently, though, science has been identifying probiotics that can perhaps be used to treat certain diseases. But again, it's many of the same bacteria in those lactobacillus groups, the bifidobacteria groups. What makes them good? How do they work? Scientists are working hard on distinguishing what probiotics do inside your intestine and the specific mechanisms around their effects. But let me give you a few examples. For instance, some probiotics are really anti-secretory. They can actually cause the gut to slow down water secretion in the presence of enteropathogenic bacteria. Many of these probiotics upregulate mucus secretion, so the mucus lining the gut becomes thicker and almost acts as a barrier to bad bacteria. Other probiotics stimulate the immune system, so they stimulate secretion of secretory IgA, which is beneficial. They also upregulate the mucosal immune system, making it less inflammatory and more anti-inflammatory. So those are an example of some of the mechanisms that these probiotics have. And you can see that by these different mechanisms, they can be applied to treat different types of diseases. Let's pick out one, what you think is the best example, and then we'll go to others. But what do you think is the best example where probiotics play a major role in the management of a disease state? Currently, the most work in the area, the most scientific work, has been done in the realm of inflammatory bowel disease, particularly in the realm of pouchitis, so in patients who have had a colectomy and now have an ileal anal pouch made, and that pouch gets inflamed, and also in ulcerative colitis. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about the pouchitis. So, pouchitis for doctors can be difficult to treat. Patients get a lot of urgency and diarrhea, and we've been using antibiotics. And antibiotics, for the most part, are pretty effective. 
And once we treated them with antibiotics, we'd stop the antibiotics, but the pouchitis would come back. We have now level one, so the best possible evidence, in at least three different randomized controlled trials from two different countries that providing a probiotic after, and I underline after, you've treated with an antibiotic to get the pouchitis under control, now using the probiotic to maintain the pouch in good health. It has been effective in between 80 to 90% of those patients. Those are percentages we'd never seen before. And so here's a perfect instance where a probiotic can be used as maintenance therapy to prevent pouchitis from recurring. Why do you think it's working? Well, probiotics work through a number of those mechanisms we've talked about, but things like pouchitis probably have a major bacterial role as their cause. And so you can imagine that taking this probiotic is now changing the bacteria in that pouch from a more injurious bacterial load to a less injurious bacterial load with these probiotics. Perhaps those probiotics are also affecting the mucosal immune system in that pouch, making it less inflammatory. Do you require continuous therapy? Yes. When you start taking a probiotic, it takes 7 to 14 days for it to colonize your gut. And then you only colonize with the probiotic as long as you're taking it. Once you stop it, the probiotics go out of your system. If you're using probiotics as a therapy, you'll need to take them forever. Assuming they work. Assuming they work, correct. All right. I really like your example of the pouchitis and an ulcerative colitis, but why don't you go on and tell us a little bit more about some of the other states. I understand people are using it for, well, I've used it for IBS, so tell me why. Well, again, people are looking at probiotics to see whether changing the bacterial flora of the gut can improve some of their symptoms. Now, there's lots of research being done around irritable bowel syndrome and the fact that perhaps some bacterial overgrowth in that gut is playing a role. Perhaps the way bacteria are growing in the small and large intestine is actually damaging the nerves of that small and large intestine, changing motility. Well, people are looking at adding probiotics to patients with irritable bowel syndrome and seeing whether you can improve the symptoms. The studies are not as robust as inflammatory bowel disease, but there's pilot studies that are suggesting some benefit. Let me give you another example. Clostridium difficile, antibiotic-associated diarrhea. You get Clostridium difficile, and all of us are treating that infection with metronidazole or vancomycin, and we're managing that infection. But we know that 30% of those patients will get a recurrence. Treatment with probiotics, particularly relative to Clostridium difficile, treatment with Saccharomyces boulardii, so this is a probiotic yeast now, prevents that recurrence in over half of the patients. So there is, again, an example in two randomized controlled trials where Saccharomyces boulardii is effective in treating recurrent Clostridium difficile-associated diarrhea. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Goldstein, and joining me today to discuss what GIs need to know about probiotics is Dr. Richard Fedorak, Professor of Medicine in the Division of Gastroenterology and Chair for the Center of Excellence for Gastrointestinal Inflammation and Immunity Research at the University of Alberta in Canada. Well, let's pick up on this concept that there are multiple different probiotics and there are many disease states. I'd like to focus in on irritable bowel syndrome. And we have mixed types, 
constipation predominant, and diarrhea predominant. Based on mechanism of action, can we be more predictive of which probiotic is going to be beneficial to an individual patient? And so, Jay, that is the immediate future. As scientists are now dissecting away the mechanism of action of individual probiotic species, we've learned that perhaps lactobacillus is different than Saccharomyces boulardii is different than bifidobacteria. We need to now move to the next phase, which you've just alluded to, and we're not there yet, but we need to be able to apply a mechanism of action to the disease. So let me give you an example. If you have diarrhea-predominant irritable bowel syndrome, perhaps you want to use a probiotic that has a dominant anti-secretory reaction. It has phase validity. Exactly. And if you have irritable bowel syndrome that is constipation-dominant, you'll want a probiotic that perhaps alters intestinal motility or changes the mucus complexity of the gut so that there's more mucus and a looser bowel motion. But we're not there yet. But within the next several years, we should be able to match mechanism of action with diseases. And then I think you'll really see a surgence of the use of probiotics to treat diseases. I look forward to that. Moving on, though, my patients want a natural cure for their disease state. And they say, rather than medications, I want to take probiotics because they are safer. Is that a true statement? I think it is. Most patients, doctors, recognize that probiotics have been around for a long, long time. We have been using probiotics in fermented milks and in foods and in yogurts forever. And these are safe bacteria. What we are doing now is a bit of a change. We are using many more of those bacteria, so in greater quantities, to treat diseases. And so the question is, are they safe when used in these large quantities? The answer is, For the most part, as far as we can determine, for all the probiotics we've tested, they are safe. We're not seeing any increase in infections. We are using these probiotics in patients who are immunocompromised, like inflammatory bowel disease, safe. We're using them in the intensive care units, safe. So in situations where you would have expected a complication from the probiotic, that is a probiotic to get into the bloodstream and cause bacteremia or septicemia, We're not seeing that. So we believe they're safe in all of these types of diseases. What about in children? Well, interestingly, there have been case reports, both in adults and in children, particularly immunocompromised children, of lactobacillus and bifidobacteria causing a bacteremia in these young children. The reasons for that are not clear, and it may be related to a less mature gut, differences in intestinal permeability, But those case reports are extremely rare. And so, as in all of medicine, it's risk-benefit ratio. And the benefits of probiotics, if used following best evidence, far outweigh any safety concerns or adverse events. Well, that's fascinating. I think we could probably spend hours and hours talking about this, but I think we need to wrap up. I would like to thank my guest from the University of Alberta in Canada, Dr. Richard Fedorak. Dr. Fedorik, thank you very much for being our guest on this week's GI Insights. Jake, thank you very much. You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code AGA.